George. Welcome everyone here to uh, Aerosmith Baptist Church this morning, and uh, I hope and pray that our time together will be pleasing to God, and um, before I get started, I'm going to pray again. Lord, I thank you for being with us here today. I thank you, God, for your word, which is powerful and obviously part of your story and is about you. And so I pray, God, that our hearts and minds would be focused on who you are this morning and that each one of us will come a little bit closer to you here today. In Jesus' name, amen. So today's passage about um, crossing the Jordan and establishing new ground with memorial markers is pertinent in 2020. As many people and churches have entered all kinds of new territory and are having to establish markers or other things to, to kind of hang on to in order to navigate the strange waters that we're living in. Uh, for example, uh, the phrase, that's so 2020, uh, will likely be with us for some time to come in reference to unforeseen and often negative things. Uh, our church as well has done all kinds of new things in the last while and are crossing over, so to speak, as we transition to a new pastor uh, sometime in this, the next six months or so. Uh, we had already started the process back in December uh, when Pastor Eric announced his call to Montana. And we're into the continued process in March when Pastor Roger was here. Then things got paused quite dramatically, as we all know. Now we're back at it. And like the Israelites, we need some reminders and markers to maintain the course. Our mission statement and things like those words on the wall there. And for those of you at home, it says, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. They help with that also. It's also Communion Sunday. And that too is a huge reminder for us as Christians about the price that was paid for our eternal salvation. Once per month, we pause to remember and reflect on what Jesus did to glorify his Father, but also to provide an escape route for his children. The bread and the cup remind us that our debt is paid in full. It also reminds us that we're part of a long and detailed story, which is primarily God's story. We all have a type of spiritual amnesia. Evidence for this can be as simple as arguing about what to have for lunch in the parking lot right after church. Maybe you've probably never done that. Uh, the word remember in the Bible means to focus on or reflect this is the part we often miss, with love and devotion. To focus on or reflect with love and devotion. We could also use some more of that too. Each one of us also has their own story. And these stories are the one thing that doubt and critics can never steal from us. When God authentically entered your life and my life, something changed that might be difficult to explain but might feel natural to others. Critics of God's word and God's people simply cannot argue against how someone's heart and hopefully behavior changes after he claims them for his own. Many times the person themselves cannot even explain it fully. 
It was 20 years ago, in May of 2000, that God finally closed the deal, so to speak, on my heart. And not to say that I've arrived, because I certainly have not. Tanya and I had been kind of exploring the Bible for around a year. And one day while I was walking to work, I was just finally overcome with this sense of knowing, and I hesitate to say feeling, that Jesus was right. And that I was in eternal peril if I did not submit to that truth by recognizing that I was wrong and he was right. I can remember exactly where I was walking. And even the name of the dog, it was Godfrey, who lived at the house where I was standing. I used to walk that same route and he used to bark at me every morning. Tanya remembers him too. I can also clearly recall the moment after work that day when I got home and told Tanya that, quote, I think I'm a Christian now. After explaining to her some of the things that I just told you about my morning, she said, you need to go talk to someone, almost like I needed a diagnosis about some kind of ailment. So that Sunday, I showed up early to the church we'd been attending, which was Center Street Church in Calgary, and basically grabbed the first guy I saw with a name tag and said, I need to talk to someone because I think I'm a Christian now. After this shocked guy passed me on to someone else, the second guy looked through some scripture with me, which is what I later learned was something called the Roman Road. And being satisfied with my responses, declared that my sense of, quote, being a Christian was authentic. And he scheduled to, sorry, scheduled another meeting to begin a discipleship process that led me to right here, 20 years later. The point is that God has also written a story with mile markers and fence posts to help us overcome our spiritual amnesia. It's good to remember where we came from because it keeps us humble. Let's review where we've been lately. In Joshua 1, we saw that the Lord gave Joshua some new marching orders after the death of Moses. They had turned a 14-day walk into 40 years of wandering. And God told them to, quote, be strong and courageous, and not to be frightened, and not to be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. In Joshua 2, we saw how God uses unexpected people like Rahab, and that people who are faithful to God will be rewarded for that, where it says, if you do not tell this business of ours, then when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly with you. Last week in chapter 3, we saw how they crossed the Jordan, and the Lord established their new ground by saying in verse 7, today I'll begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. All of these things apply to us here today also. We should be strong and courageous, as God uses unexpected people like us and is with us, even now, to further his plan. And so now we'll go into our passage for today, and I won't read it in full since George did so already. Verse 1 said, When all the nation had finished crossing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, here we see a personal and intimate interaction between God and Joshua. Furthermore, 
The Jordan, as we've heard, is an important geopolitical and symbolic barrier in Israel. Crossing it was also not easy due to the steep banks and the volume of water. It was quite an accomplishment for them. Many cultures and belief systems and even mythologies also use crossing a river as a symbolic representation of death. And in a way, a new beginning is the death of the old. Verse 2 continues with, Take twelve men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodged tonight. Once again, we see the use of a group of twelve men, or tribes, or as in the New Testament, disciples. God's word, as we know, is full of connected and reflective ideas. It's amazing that way. He commands them to, quote, take 12 stones, which is similar to how Jesus took the bread at the Last Supper. God establishes his possession of his people by taking them or having them take things. Many of the people in the Bible were commanded to take or not take things. Adam and Eve were not to take the fruit. Moses had to take the tablets. David had to take up his sling. Jesus' followers were to take up their nets, and later their crosses. All of these things are physical symbols and reminders. So you, you have probably seen this stone here by now. That's from the Rust family homestead in the rural municipality of Stonehenge, which is about 60 miles south of Moose Jaw in Saskatchewan. This stone is from the well that my great-grandfather, Martin Rust, who I, I never met because he died in 1946, so Martin Rust uh, built a well with stones like that. Uh, apparently he was a devout Baptist. I never knew that. Um, and he built that well on the homestead with his own hands just before World War I. So just over 100 years ago. I, I took Tanya to the homestead to visit my great uncle John, so my grandfather's brother, when, when Sarah was a baby. And we took, with my great-uncle's permission, some of the stones from the dry well as a reminder of where I'd come from. I find it very meaningful to think that my roots in Canada and Saskatchewan were established by a man that fled religious persecution in Europe in the late 1800s and took up new land in Canada to create new opportunities and safety for his family at that time. Many of us here have similar stories. This stone is just an illustration of people establishing those reminders. In verse 4, we see that Joshua called the 12 men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. Joshua showed obedience to God 
by quickly doing what the Lord instructed him to do. And sometimes our obedience needs to be hasty. Then in verse 5, Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel. As we heard last week, the ark contained manna, the Ten Commandments, and the staff of Aaron. Now the very first time I heard of the Ark of the Covenant was of course back in 1981 when the all-time classic movie Raiders of the Lost Ark was released. I would not say that I knew very much about the historical or spiritual origins of the Lost Ark before that time. But I can certainly recall leaving the theater having been blown away by that cinematic experience and Andrew, the continued roguishness of Harrison Ford and Han Solo and Indiana Jones, of course. After seeing the tremendous power of the Ark, I also recall, obviously more importantly, thinking that if such an Ark existed and had the kind of power displayed in the movie, that it was in fact an incredible manifestation of God's power. I certainly had no idea at that time that 39 years later I'd be here doing this. But now I can say that God establishes his paths and ways in our hearts, often a long time before he enacts his actual plan. I watched that movie hundreds of times prior to my previously mentioned sidewalk conversion. And I sort of began to realize at age 30 how God works in the lives of his people, even when they don't know. Uh, this week I also kind of was reminded that the word for ark uh, in, in Joshua for the Ark of the Covenant is the same word in relation to Noah's Ark. And it's amazing that both of them are a vessel for carrying or accompanying God's people over dangerous waters. Verse 6 continues on with, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the, co of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. As we've seen, God's story is long and involved and requires reminders. We may not have actual stones, nor may we see the Red Sea or the Jordan parted, but we certainly can see the miraculous conversion of people we know or read about, and our legacy will pass on, either closer to God's plan or further away. As God works in our hearts, we need to respond, and we'll be promptly, sorry, prompted to do so shortly with the Lord's Supper. Also, as I said earlier, a person's coming to faith story is one thing that cannot be explained away by doubters, since it usually involves something miraculous and is possibly quite dramatic. Next, the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded. 
and took up 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, just as the Lord told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. There's a repetition here, which is common, especially in the Old, in the Old Testament, to emphasize certain ideas. The people obeyed and established their place in the new land, a public declaration of God's place in their lives, just like baptism and communion are public declarations of our submission and obedience to God. Verse 9 says, Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood, and they are there to this day. The phrase to this day obviously does not necessarily mean until August 2nd, 2020, but instead intends the idea of a long-lasting reminder of what God did for his people, or a person. For example, John Newton's song, Amazing Grace, was written as a personal repentance of his slave-trading background. But we today are still vile wretches in need of the same saving grace, uh, despite not being slave-traders, obviously. Verse 10 states that the priests bearing the ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord commanded Joshua to tell the people according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua. The people passed over in haste. God's timing is at work here, as is the people's obedience to his commands via Joshua. We see them pass over in haste too. Again, sometimes we need to go for it and do what he's prompting us to do. In verse 11, when the people had finished passing over, the ark of the Lord and the priests passed over before the people. See here, the leaders stay in place and in danger of the potential rushing waters. Then once the people cross, they go too. Jesus went before us and then paved the path for us to follow. Then he returned to ascend to heaven, fully defeating death for his children. That way we too can cross the Jordan twice once in this life when we're justified, then at the end when we're fully sanctified upon our physical death. Next, the sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh passed over, armed before the people of Israel, as Moses had told them. About, about 40,000 ready for war passed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. Reuben and Gad and Manasseh were not exactly the poster children of faithfulness. And they should have listened to the reminders of the stones a little better, as their stories became largely lost later on. They did prepare for war, as we should be ready for persecution today. I also always wonder about the numbers we see in the Bible, like 40,000. I think, like, how did they count them? It's not a deal breaker in any way, but things like that do add to the mysterious part of God's word 
it, it's our fallen nature that demands logic, and answers about the wrong things. In context, the number, whether 38,000 or 40,000 or 42,587, doesn't really matter. What does matter is that they were obedient, and we must be obedient. Sometimes if we would just listen better or, or even faster, at least some of our problems would perhaps diminish. Verse 14 continues, On that day the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they stood in awe of him, just as they had stood in awe of Moses all the days of his life. Being exalted by God is quite an amazing thing in this life. And Joshua's obedience should continue to be inspirational. The crossing of the Jordan was a joyous culmination of a long time of wandering. We all need to be leaders in our various circles of influence so that we can be part of God's plan to lead his people to their new land. Verse 15, the Lord said to Joshua, Command the priests bearing the Ark of the Testimony to come up out of the Jordan. The Lord continues his intimate and personal connection to Joshua with new commands, as well as the continued focus on the evidence of God's story and testimony in their lives. Then Joshua commanded the priests, Come up out of the Jordan. And when the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came up from the midst of the Jordan, and the soles of the priests' feet were lifted up on high ground, the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks, as before. Joshua passes along what was told to him, and after they are safely across, the waters return, making the place dangerous once again. If Jesus had not gone before us, and paid the price, we would be unable to cross over in this life or the next. Our works are befouled and confused with improper motivations, even if only internal. Jesus' defeat of death itself on the cross is man's only hope or chance for eternity with God in heaven. Verse 19 says, The people came up out of the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. Gilgal means circle of stones. And it was mentioned 39 times in Joshua. The first month was the month prior to the Passover, which has many symbolic connections to this book and passage and Christian life in general. In verse 20, And those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. Here we see the commands from the start of this chapter are brought to fruition, and we see the evidence of their obedience. The reminders are there for them, just like the cross and the Lord's Supper before us. Verse 21, we see, And he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know. 
Israel passed over this Jordan on dry, on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. These words are still applicable today, obviously. As children ask about the importance of what happened in the times before them, especially if their parents had some Jordans of their own to cross and some new land to claim. We also see that the reach of the Lord is expanded to all the peoples of the earth so that they may know and fear the Lord. At, at the time, that would have meant their known world. But obviously Jesus expanded the circle in his time, and today, as, as we, are to make disciples of all the nations all around the globe. Not for our purposes, but for his. So, to kind of wrap it up, hold this up. This is a custom-made hot dog stick. The metal isn't important. The handle, though, was built by my great-uncle John, who lived on the Rust homestead for all 99 years of his life. The handle is made from something called caragana wood, which is a, a windrow that they planted on the prairies in particular. And so there was a large windrow of caragana planted by... Um, my great-grandfather, Martin Rust, that I referred to. And my great-uncle John took some of that wood and made handles for his custom-made hot dog sticks. Those bushes were also planted back around World War I at the same time that he used these stones to make that well. I have six of those hot dog sticks and they remind me of where I came from in an earthly sense. Like the Israelites, I think we like and need reminders of where we've come from. Let us always remember with love and fondness what God has done in our lives. And let that propel us forward to be in his will going ahead. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, for the chance to hear from you today. I thank you, God, that each one of us would have a desire going forward to abide in you and in your word, and that your story would continue to be our story, and that we would come closer to you each day of our life. In Jesus' name.